Hello, listeners. You are about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans. It is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2022 MLB offseason. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 33. Alex and I are coming to you here live on November 7th. It's about noon. Uh, Just spent the day kind of watching some morning games of football, but we're happy to come at you guys with the first off-season episode, uh, kind of breaking down the players and also the teams that really are going to be looking for new acquisitions and also some departures from other guys. Uh, Me and Alex, of course, this is kind of where our hopes and dreams start with the Angels, you know, being Angels fans. We really kind of love these morning, you know, these these early November, December months. And then, of course, sometimes our dreams are just squandered by February. So, uh, but, you know, we're still, of course, optimistic with this year and all the free agents that are on the, uh, on, on the, on the move this year. So uh, this episode, of course, we're going to be talking about some of the new, um, you know, trades and some of the actual acquisitions that have already happened in the past couple of days or week. Um, Bob Melvin, of course, being the new San Diego Padres uh, skipper for the 2022 season. Uh, kind of a low-key trade, but uh, Bucker, or Bucker, Tucker Barnhart uh, moving from Cincinnati over to Detroit. So we'll kind of talk a little bit about that as the first trade um, gets underway. And then also uh, talking about kind of our top 15 most notable free agents on the market and where we really expect to see them go. So we'll kind of go down each each free agent, talk about where they think they'll end up and be, you know, if they're going to be staying put or if they're going to be putting on a new uniform uh, in 2022, 2022 and beyond. But uh, Alex, let's start off with kind of the most surprising news, I guess, of this past week, and that is the retirement of Buster Posey. So I'll mm-hmm. kind of let you kick it off on on that. Yeah, there was tons of discourse pretty much all week on Twitter about, you know, is this actually going to be announced? Is he actually going to retire? Uh a lot of Giants fans, I'm sure, are, you know, they were saying, like, please say it's a joke, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, I think most Giants fans, uh, deep down, you kind of have to just kind of tip your cap and said, this guy gave so much to our franchise this last, you know, uh, 12, uh, 12 seasons. So um, I I have nothing but, you know, respect for the guy. Uh, he had a really legendary career. And even though it seemed like it's a little bit short compared to some other careers, like, Travis, we were, we were talking earlier, like, in 2015, Posey had three rings, and he felt like he was in his prime, you know? Mm-hmm. Feels like he's in his prime, and he already has an MVP to his name and, and a rookie of the year. You think this guy could go on for a long time and have, like, this all, you know, all-time great career, which he still kind of did, but yep. um, you would never have predicted that Albert Pujols would be an active player longer because Albert Pujols was already at year 15 at that point, yeah. you know? It's yeah. kind of funny how you can view it in that lens. Yeah, no, most definitely. And honestly, with that, you know, Catchers, as we know, they're kind of, uh, I mean, 15 years as in a, for a catcher in the, in the major leagues is, you know, quite a long time, especially for, you know, on your body, how much how much just kind of pain you put all on your body in 162 games uh, really, of course, eats you up in the sports. When you, of course, when you get, you know, up into the year mid-30s, it definitely will wear and tear a lot on you more. And that was kind of his statement to the press 
when he went out and officially retired in front of uh, you know live cameras, he basically was just saying you know that the pain, the preparation, um, it's just getting you know tougher and tougher every year, and so you really can't. Uh, be disappointed in that you know he's given everything to the Giants he's given them three rings he's given them you know he's gotten an MVP with them as well as a batting title in the same year kind of one of the craziest catching performance seasons of all time you can definitely say in 2012 yeah Um, something that you don't see if you you know a guy like Joe Maurer is a guy that put up the same kind of season but you know even the greats like Bench Piazza Pudge Rodriguez they really never did the same thing putting up a batting title and an MVP Um, and a lot of the advanced stats really going Buster Posey's way in 2012. So I think 2012 was a big season in saying this guy will most likely end up in the hall one day, you know, having a season that that was this good. And then, of course, also just being consistently good throughout the stretch, you know, looking at even 2015 and 16 really wasn't a really notable name, but still putting up a 318 batting average in 2015 and then 2017 putting up a 320 average. And then this year, kind of the craziest bounce back year we've seen. Buster Posey just blew everybody out of the way when it comes about comeback player of the year. So uh, really cool to, you know, at least see him go out as a giant, you know, being a giant his whole entire career. Yeah. Uh, he will go into Cooperstown, and I believe, in, uh, you know, a giant's hat, of course. So uh, any last thoughts on Buster? Uh, yeah, not really. It, it just comes down to uh, a really great career. Uh, Hall of Fame conversation uh, when he hits the ballot is going to be, you know, does he deserve the first the first ballot? Um, we'll talk about that when, when you know, yeah. Hall of Fame season comes around. But, um, yeah, essentially, to me, it comes down to if, if he was on my ballot, I would give him the vote. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, not, not much not much to pause or, or debate there for me in my head. So, uh, a, a great player. And, you know, it's going to be kind of weird, Travis, uh, that he won't be a giant anymore. But, you know, in a, you have a you have a year like 2021 and you felt like you're already kind of almost done anyways. Might as well go out on that really high, high. And good for him. Yeah, yeah. Let's kind of transition to uh, a guy that actually played across the bay in Oakland. Actually, didn't really play. He managed across the bay in in Oakland. Uh, Bob Melvin is on the move. He is going to be managing the San Diego Padres in 2022. Really, honestly, really sneaky start to the offseason for the Padres. You know, last season, last offseason, they really they owned it all with all the trades and all the acquisitions. They did a very good job. And now, of course, getting a guy who has so much experience managing teams that are really good and also getting rosters that are just super, super poor and turning that into a winning ball club. Uh, You know, just looking back at Bob Melvin, Alex, you know, looking at the last, I think it's about 11 years, yeah, of Oakland A's managing, uh, you know, the last four years managing since 2018 he's finished with you know above a 530 winning percentage every single year mm-hmm. yeah. um and every single year it just, it just seems like he is just sneaking his way into the playoffs with the oakland a's of course not capturing division titles they did in 2020 a shortened season but in 18 and 19 really just sneaking their way into the wild card games uh and you know putting together just phenomenal years and what he did with oakland even back in 2012 when they had a roster at the beginning that nobody thought was remotely good then you get guys like josh donaldson's coming out of that you get other guys that come out of the oakland a system and you're just like wow man like this this guy turned these guys into superstars i mean josh donaldson probably would not be where he is today without bob melvin so really sneaky pick what do you think about that what do you think about the san diego padres moving forward so, um, a lot of info there. Uh, I think that Bob Melvin is a great coach, which kind of can be encapsulated by his record. But also, Travis, we play the uh, Oakland A's all the time as Angel fans. We Too watch much. we watch them play, um, and they they just kind of play smart. I like the way that you know 
he kind of constructs the team. I like the way that he um, kind of manages the game. Uh, I think that Azer is really smart, and I think he's a big reason uh, for that. And so uh, I think bringing that kind of pedigree to San Diego is going to be a big deal for some of the Padres players. I think he can probably win them over um, early on and then just kind of maintain that kind of respect and kind of have that kind of pedigree um, shift, hopefully, because it seems like Tingler at the end there, um, some of the players must have not been very happy in that dugout, and I think that kind of almost became an issue where uh, they decided to move on for that reason. So uh, I think another big thing about Melvin's decision to leave, honestly, Travis, has something to do with uh, the way Oakland, like, Oakland Athletics go about their philosophy as a team. I think uh, he, he liked the players and he liked you know coaching a team that was always successful but I think there's just kind of a ceiling you put on yourself when you're never going to be extending some of your great players you kind of always know the mindset is when these guys have an all-star year we're going to trade them away get some pieces back keep the payroll low but keep the overall talent of the team in a good spot young players that are always kind of coming up coming up trade them away get another guy that's going to come up come up um I think for a manager, if a manager's goal was to, you know, win a World Series or kind of make a dominant push in the postseason, you're just kind of are limiting yourself if the front office has that mindset, the ownership, whoever's spending the money, writing the checks, if they have that mindset. Um, and Travis, you know, I think a lot of the listeners might have seen the movie Moneyball, but it's a common theme where the athletics um, in the movie, but also in real life, they just will not shell out the big bucks for the big free agents, and if they do, it's always a surprise. And you know, they they really are not definitely not often are they very big players for some of the big off season targets. And it's gotten to the point where there's rumors about them possibly moving to Vegas to a place with a bigger, uh, maybe a bigger payroll, um, because maybe a more bigger influx of income. So, but you know, all that aside, that's just kind of one reason in my mind why Melvin might want to go to the Padres. They're proven they're willing to spend money to win. They've proven they're in win-now mode, and he probably thinks he's a chance to really, I guess, start a, a hot run with the Padres. Also, Travis, I did see a quote from Melvin um, when he was doing that kind of press press review, like on the on Peco, you know, on the on the on the stadium. Actually, he was like sitting there giving an interview, and he was saying that when the A's played there this season um, in interleague play, that it was an electric environment, and that's just something that he really. Uh, stood out to him, and I think that is another reason because the A's, you know, unfortunately for a, for you know, there are diehard A's fans out there, but I think that they know that this the crowd does not usually get that lively. Um, lots of day games, you'll see what the seats are pretty much empty, you know, just kind of the way it is um, on in some occasions. So I think with that in mind, uh, it's in in uh, Bob Melvin's mind, it's an upgrade going to the Padres for multiple reasons. The front office is going to spend more. Um, he has more overall talent on the team, even though they had a worse record than the A's. And then also the fans, the kind of growing sense of the Padres being a rising team in the MLB. I think that is uh, all those reasons make it a good choice for Melvin uh, in his mind. Yeah, and that's actually a very good point you put up there. Um, I remember hearing that quote saying, I think it was like a Tuesday night game and Petco was electric. You know, Mm -hmm. they were uh, they're a young team. The the fans of San Diego are very optimistic and they are expecting honestly a world series appearance in the next you know couple of years they don't expect anything else even though the padres have not really been a playoff team this century that much i mean they're right. going back before 2020 i think their last playoff uh, appearance was 2006 so mm. really had a huge playoff drought but you're so right with all that kind of stuff with oakland not spending money 
all their all-stars, all their great players, when they get really hot, the front office is thinking, where can we ship these guys for prospects? Where can we get more return? And it's kind of reminds me of, like an, of a Tampa Bay Rays job with Kevin Cash. You're really put into a weird situation of you're not going to get the big buck players. We're going to have to work with our minor league system, develop these guys. You're going to have good communication with your AAA, AA coaches and people down there and kind of get these guys brought up through the process in a very good way. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a different way of managing. I, there's only, honestly, I think a certain special amount of people that can really do that and work with a team that really, I mean, the Oakland A's budget, I mean, I'm thinking it's probably less than, definitely less than like $40 million a year than what's on their payroll. Most of those guys are still getting paid um, very, very low and minimum numbers. So yeah, I mean, going to San Diego, you're going to get a lot more excitement. You're going to have players like Tatis and Machado who are already on $300 million deals or so. And so you're already going to have like players. Some, some confirmed talent there. Exactly. And you have a front office in San Diego that is not really, you know, they are, they're ready to spend the money. They're right. ready to spend the money. They're ready to get rid of prospects to get players to win right now, as we saw from last season. And I'm more than sure they'll definitely be that way this season because what happened this year was completely unacceptable. And of course, that's why I think Jace Tingler was, of course, let go um, two years in a row. Um, you know, in 2020, had a really good year with the Padres, was very good at managing them, um, except for the whole Tatis 3-1 Grand Slam swing. I think that was a little bit of a weird way that he handled it and kind of uh, pretty much disappointed in Tatis for all that. But, you know, this year, your full season, you start out really hot, and just the way you sizzle out of it um, was not a very good look. And I know the Padres are probably in a, we're willing to fire whoever we need to, to fire in order to get someone else better and to, and to you know, achieve a winning, uh, a winning season with a uh, playoff trip in mind as well. So uh, love the move by that. Love the move by that. And so uh, moving on to kind of the next kind of not really a big deal at all, but, you know, just kind of a, 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 an interesting, you know, start of the offseason. Tucker Barnhart from the Cincinnati Reds had himself a really, you know, really good and just kind of a low key, uh, nice season in 2021. I know a lot of teams were actually looking to get him for maybe a backup role for catchers. Well, he went to the Detroit Tigers and the Detroit Tigers last year, Alex, finished second in the AL Central. Just a surprise team that almost was at 500 last season, but they end up landing Tucker Barnhart. And tell me what you kind of think about that, you know, to kind of start the season off, or the offseason off at least. Yeah, so uh, I have some thoughts about Detroit for sure. So uh, I may have said on the podcast before, I'm not sure, but I saw some crazy stat uh, a while back that every single month besides the first month of the season, that Tigers had a winning record in that month. So it really kind of shows once they kind of found their identity and like kind of figured out who they're going to use, um, A.J. Hinch was able to kind of figure out what his team looks like and everyone kind of got in their groove. They became a winning team, which is not what all what you would think of when you think of Detroit Tigers based on the names they have, based on their, you know, final record. It was, uh, you know, it, it's not like they made a real push for the wild card. But I, Travis, I do think that they are they are planning on winning sooner than a lot of people think. I think a lot of people kind of know they're in a rebuild and they have a lot of young, great names. Torkelson's in their uh, farm system. You have, you know, guys like Casey Mize, Tarek Scooball, like these kind of young pitchers who um, are already kind of showing promise and you hope they're going to continue to develop. Um, Akil Badu, you have these tons of players who are really, really young and you kind of say, okay, they have a good future. But I honestly think that they're going to make a push for some veterans this offseason, possibly next offseason, I think they're going to be ready to compete very soon. Um, 
the White Sox have a lot of spending going on, you know, on guys like Hendricks and guys like Lance Lynn, that if some of those guys start to age a bit and their contracts kind of their contracts kind of become a little bit like, okay, you're paying this guy kind of a lot now. Um, I, th- I could honestly see a situation where, you know, Detroit could overtake the division in a, a year, two years. Maybe it could be a little bit too early, but, you know, I think that there's a lot of promise on the future. We'll get to the other free agents that they could might maybe try to target uh, later in the episode, but just to start about Barnhart, I think that he has some of the best framing numbers for catchers in baseball, which is um, always a big deal in my mind because I think it, it's at least one of the easiest things to notice, right, Travis? Because yeah. you're watching a game and the ump just blows a call right on the corner. It's like so close. And like you kind of almost feel like if I had a different catcher, maybe that could have been framed yeah. and that ball could have been a strike. Changes the at bat. Kurt, Kurt Suzuki. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, Angel fans know Kurt Suzuki's <laughs> inability to frame, even just making strikes with like balls sometimes. It just completely changes innings, which changes games. So um, I think that it's a great pickup. In that regard, you're having a good glove uh, behind the plate. Um, I'll also add, the, I believe the prospect they gave up, Travis, I, I forget how old he was, but he was like in his like early to like mid-20s almost. And I think he was still in like uh, an A-ball. I think he was batting like two something. So just, it's like, it was just just a you know just a guy who, you know, God bless him, but better luck on the Reds kind of thing. You yeah. know, it's like you, yeah. you were not really progressing in our system, but... Uh, they made a move for a catcher, and I think it's I think it's a positive move at the very least. Also, a left-handed bat, which most catchers are righties. It just seems like so. Yeah. Um, a platoon bat for sure. So, I, I, Barnhart's actually someone I wanted the Angels to try to pursue Travis just as a backup for Stassi, just a yeah. good glove. Yeah. He also bats lefty or Stassi bats righty, but um, at the end of the day, um, it's a low key pickup. It's nothing like breaking headlines, but it is I think overall a good move. That's it's already showing early that Detroit is ready to make some sort of push this offseason. Yeah, and definitely a nice duo with Eric Haas. You know, he actually had a decent year last year for Detroit. A surprising um, year, yeah. Yeah, so he was he was definitely, you know, I feel like, you know, weekly and monthly, he was definitely putting up some news about, you know, just his crazy, you know, walk-off home runs or just big hits. But like I like what you said, too, about the defense. You know, Detroit has three young pitchers, Matt Manning, Tarek Skubal, and of Casey Mize. Yeah. All three of those guys are 24 years older or younger. And so having a good defensive catcher will definitely help those guys progress and grow as starting pitchers and kind of get that comfort level, you know, as it get, as it progresses, as they get older. Uh, I think having a great defensive catcher and a good framer, like you said, will only help those young starting pitchers. And, of course, you got, you know, mid, you know, 30-year-old starting pitchers, Matthew Boyd, uh, Willie Peralta, Jose Urena. Those kind of guys as well, really helping them out as well. But of course, I don't think they're done yet when it comes to you know spending. I think the the big guy on their on their uh, on their you know on their balance sheet right now is uh, Miguel Cabrera. You know, making a right. lot of money. You know, kind of the Albert Pujols did, of course, have a bounce back year last year. had a had a really decent year um, compared to the years of us watching Pujols and the Angels. But yeah, I uh, think using using Miguel in like more of a bench role, pl- platoon, pinch hit role, um, it's going to make him look a lot better on the stat sheet because. He's just the kind of guy who shouldn't be an everyday player anymore because if you play that guy 150 games, you know, the wear and tear uh, plus the fact that you're facing lots of pitchers that you maybe wish you weren't preferred to play uh, against, uh, it's definitely going to have a big impact. So uh, I think using Miguel Cabrera in like a more diminished role going forward will help those numbers go up and he'll actually have more value off the bench than as a starter. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, Alex, let's kind of move into the big part of the podcast, and that is, you know, looking at kind of our top 15, you know, most notable free agents on the market right now 
and you know our predictions on where we think these guys will be landing if they're going to be staying put or if they're going to be you know wearing you new uniforms the next season and in the future so just kind of kicking it off i'll start off with uh basically i think one of the biggest free agents this year uh freddie freeman you know just off the world series championship uh braves Braves, the Braves roster wants him back, and the Braves fans want him back. It's really funny during the parade, during the celebration. I think a lot of people were just they basically they weren't chant, chanting like World Series champions. They were chanting, "Resign Freddie." <laughs> so funny, yeah. really interesting that they are really in on signing Freddie. But Freddie Freeman, where do you see him going uh, in this offseason? Okay, so Freeman. Um, there's a few ways to look at it. In my mind, obviously, a type of guy who you could easily see in the same jersey for his whole career, which would be, of course, the Atlanta Braves. Um, been a franchise guy for like a decade, and I think it's also a big deal that um, he kind of came up through their system, you know, uh, came up through their system, yep. has been with them kind of through the whole rebuild, um, was there when Acuna got called up, which was pretty much marked the end of the rebuild, at the beginning of a time to win, and of course they finally won, um, and he was one of the biggest reasons why, so... He, I'm sure, has a lot of sentimental attachment to Atlanta. I'm sure he loves uh, being a Brave. Um, I think staying with the Braves is a pretty uh, easy thing to say, and I think it is probably the most likely option. But just for the sake of argument, I'm going to just think about some other options. Uh, Travis, we both know well that he lives in Orange County. Uh, some Angel fans think he has a chance to maybe entertain the idea of coming back, to, you know, coming quote-unquote home, which would be, uh, he lives not that far from Angel Stadium at all. So uh, with that in mind, I think the Angels maybe meet with them. I don't think that they're going to offer him a crazy deal because we already have Jared Walsh playing first base, who is also a lefty. It's like they don't even call them each other. Really. It'd be an overlap, right? It's like yep. almost the same role, this lefty kind of power uh, first baseman. But of course, Freddie could be an improvement, but then where we put Walsh? Like we're just kind of yep. wasting a talent. So I don't think he, you know, I don't think those talks go that far. A random name that popped into my head, Travis. I'm thinking about teams that want to win now that could use a veteran bat that's, you know, next couple seasons is still going to be really good. A team that popped into my head that could really use that offense is the Milwaukee Brewers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you'd go to Milwaukee. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a thought that came to my head. Hey, the Braves were in Milwaukee, you know, like that, that, 40, 50 years ago. That, so That's yeah. true. Yeah, maybe he wants to, that's what he meant by going home. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think that the Brewers are going to be a team that are looking to add bats because... We know how good their pitching is, and they're not really losing many pitchers in the you know free agency. So it's going to come down to can we add a bunch of proven bats that are going to help us when we get to the postseason win some series, and they could not do that this year. Um, I think if they added some proven bats, like Freeman could play first base. You know, It could be an everyday first baseman, no need to platoon or anything. And then you can kind of fill in maybe and get another, like an outfielder, like you know, a Castellanos type. But um, I think that the Brewers are someone who should be asking a veteran who they could just dump money on, just say, hey, we will pay you whatever you want. We just need you to play 150 games for us this season, 160 games if mm -hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. So there are a team that's actually popping up in my mind. So just just to be different, I know a lot of people are going to say, you know, the Braves make the most sense in my mind, but I'm just going to say Brewers would be my pick. Just guys, a sneaky dark horse. I think yep. that there's always going to be these teams that jump out of nowhere to get these guys. So I'll just say Brewers. That's my, my, my random pick. Okay, and that's, that makes good sense. I mean, the Brewers, like you said, they need help when it comes to the lineup and the offense something that the Angels and Brewers have different issues going into this hot season. You yeah. know, the pitching staff for the Brewers is deadly. Their lineup is not. Same, Angels' lineup is deadly. Pitching staff is not. So 
For me, of course, I just stick around. He's going to stay with the Braves. I think that that makes just too much sense. Um, going going anywhere else, staying in Atlanta, being there for about you know maybe maybe like a six year deal, finishing out at you know thirty seven or something like that. Um, he can finish out his career with Atlanta, and of course, be kind of like an all timer for Atlanta when you look at like the all time Braves um, and like an all time Braves roster. At Freddie Freeman as your first baseman, and also bringing that championship home. So I think he stays with Atlanta. Um, next question. This is going to be a big controversial one. Carlos Correa. Yeah. Um, we know, you know, some also breaking news. The Astros just offered him, I think it was like a six year, 150 million or five years, 150 million. Basically, I think it was about 32 million AAV. So I think it was 32. Yeah. 32 30, AAV for five years. Yeah. Was, yeah. And so good deal. Length, though, not very good. If you ask right. Carlos Correa being only 26, he does not want to be a free agent at 31 32 so of course i think that really puts the astros out of it they're done they're not going to sign carlos correa he wants more money if not he wants a longer term um where do you see what team what what team or teams do you really see highlighting on carlos correa yeah so he's the kind of guy that so many teams are going to want right um there could be some fans who are you know still upset about 2017 they're like we don't want that guy but in reality this move is a, on you want it you want a winning team right this yeah. is a guy who's going to be a like top five in mvp voting probably for the american league um led baseball in uh base reference war besides otani um so i do think that uh he's going to get paid much more than that astros offer um so many teams could use a shortstop teams like the yankees the angels need someone like that um, but Travis, the team that I have said for a while now that I think is probably the leading favorite to get him right now is I think the Detroit Tigers. Okay. I think the Tigers, um, I think there's an A.J. Hinch connection that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, the former Astros coach from 2017. I think Correa must um, look up to him in some regard. And then also, the uh, Detroit is a team that they feel like if their window might open up in a year or two, you already want guys on your team for a lengthy deal that are going to be around for the whole window, essentially. So Correa could be their almost MVP kind of guy. That's like their team is almost built around. So um, he could be their shortstop. And then uh, in the next coming off seasons, they can build it kind of around wherever prospects don't really match up, wherever there's like a hole, they can fill it in the future. But you really want to get a big piece like this while it's available. I see the Detroit Tigers making a big push for him. So that just gonna be my, my prediction to start off. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I actually had them written down too. I had Tigers. I I, I had Tigers slash Angels just to give my, you know, just just, 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 just to start some, my dream list. Yeah. Just so you can have some hope. Exactly. But you know, I think you're right. Tigers, I think you're right with AJ Hinch. It makes sense there. Um and then also having kind of a a, a Latin superstar in Miguel Cabrera being kind of a good influencer and having him come up there and play for them. I mean, it's funny looking at the shortstop in in twenty twenty one, Nico Goodrum, you know, guy only batted two fourteen and had an eighty two OPS plus, just not not a very good shortstop. And I think Nico Goodrum is very uh, utility friendly, where he can play tons of different positions. I was about to say, yeah, he's definitely someone where if you get an everyday shortstop, he can go somewhere else, be a bench guy that can you know fill in multiple spots. That makes sense. Exactly, and it's funny seeing Correa go to the team. You know, he's been in the league for how many years? He'd still be one of the youngest guys on the, on the roster right now. Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys on that team are 27, 28, 29, still in their 20s, but Carlos Correa is still coming in as a you know a young guy on the team. And I think they definitely have the money to spend. And like you said, with the way they finished last year, they definitely know that they're young and they're going to be getting better and better and better. And having 77 wins last year, they know that they, they can definitely build on that and improve by 2025 could be kind of a juggernaut team um, in the AL Central. So I definitely see him possibly even going to the Tigers and also Angels, of course, because Angels need a shortstop. 
um, don't really have too much on the roster right now. Yeah, I love what you mentioned about the age, Travis, because he is only 26, Correa, and yeah, Casey Mize is 24, mm-hmm. and Spencer Torkelson, I think I just had it here, he's 22. So um, these up-and-coming guys that they have are almost Correa's age. So like throughout the whole entire, if they sign him first, let's say, eight-year deal, Yeah. the entirety of the eight years, you're going to have all these guys under control these young guys, you know, because you drafted them and exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yep. They're gonna be under your control, and you already have this all-star in Korea. I think they're all gonna age um, at the same rate into the same, you know, prime window at the same time. So definitely, I do think that um, it makes a lot of sense, and he should be the guy they target. I think he makes a lot more sense for them than a guy like Seager, than a guy like Baez, mm-hmm. these other shortstops on the market. I do think that Korea has to be their guy because of the age is the youngest. Also, the AJ Hinch connection, I think, is great. So definitely, it makes sense why we agree there. Definitely, definitely. Uh, moving on to the next guy, uh, I think he's definitely leaving. It's uh, Kenley Jansen. I think he's definitely out of L.A. Uh, I think just it the asking high. price is going to be – I'm not going to say too high because the Dodgers have a ton of money. I just think that he has spent his best years with the Dodgers, and the Dodgers probably are not willing to give him, you know, 20 mil a year or 60 million dollars for three years something like that i see him out of there i actually see him going to the east coast staying in the nl i have him either on the phillies or the mets next season i think the phillies need to get a big bullpen bullpen guy because the roster is very good the starting pitching is 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 decent as well uh i think that in the past two years the struggles for the phillies has been the bullpen even this year too uh as same with the mets i think that edwin diaz is a good Closer, I think they can get a better closer. I think with getting Kenley, they can build up that and have a very good bullpen in 2022 Go on, go, to go with that starting pitching staff led by Jacob DeGrom. So I have him staying in the NL, but I have him going to the East. Phillies and Mets, in my opinion, are his two, uh, the two targets, I would say. So I really like the Phillies uh, pick because, like you said, their issue has been bullpen. And another big factor is that their uh, guy who's calling the shots, Dave Dombrowski, is down to spend money. We know that. He's down to uh, tell the owner, like, you, you get me if you want me to spend money in big exactly. games. We will build up uh, a winning team. So I think the Phillies make a lot of sense. I would actually opt to say that that would be my pick just because um, it addresses their biggest weakness. And then also, um, it's a type of guy that they would be down to spend money on because mm-hmm. Jansen knows that um, his best years are probably behind him, even though he still has a lot of, of value to offer. So with that in mind, he's probably looking just for whoever's going to offer him a lot of money. Um, and if they're a bit of a winning team, that probably helps too. But I think at the end of the day, they could pay him just as much as anyone else. And that's probably one of the biggest factors for Kenley for when he decides okay. um, who he's going to meet with and who he's going mm-hmm. to assign with. So mm-hmm. I'll go Phillies. I think that's a really good pick. Okay, okay. And, and you know, I, I think with the Dodgers too, I think they have, you know, looking at Trinan, Knable, Gratterall, even a couple other guys. I just feel like they have so many bullpen guys that the Dodgers might not might just not want to spend the money on another bullpen great when they already have a great bullpen and they can use that money to try to get someone else. Um, and that kind of leads into my next person on the free agency market, Max Scherzer. It's going to be a big one. Um, for me, Alex, my two teams, he's, he's staying in L.A., but I just don't know which L.A. team, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Those are the two teams I have... Highest targets for Max Scherzer. Dodgers, of course, loved him. He was fantastic with the Dodgers. Of course, and the Angels really want him too because the Angels, I think, feel like they can get him on a three-year deal possibly, kind of ride him out until he's 40. And then, of course, maybe Max Scherzer can do what he does, keep playing or, you know, retire after with the Angels. But I really see, you know, Max Scherzer going to one of the two L.A. teams. What do you, what do you think with Scherzer? Um, yeah, so I think everything I've heard so far report-wise, um, the guys are saying – 
he has Dodgers and Angels as his like top two. This is what I've heard. And so and Trout really wants him too. So Trout has uh, also said that Scherzer would be great on the Angels, which you know I don't think any Angel fan would disagree. <laughs> you know, Angel fan would disagree with that. Exactly. Obviously, he's you know proved it last season what he's capable of when he's really just in kind of an all-in mode. So um, I think if I had to pick between the two, I would lean towards Dodgers just because I think they are more willing just to like give him some crazy asking price and. Uh, you kind of combine that with the fact that Dodgers are more likely to make the playoffs next season. Scherzer can kind of say, okay, the Dodgers are offering me more money. And also, um, I have a much better chance of making the postseason trying to get one more ring. Um, because right now, it seems like his window is the next couple seasons. And after that, there has to be some sort of decline at some point, right? Like, you can't keep pitching like that forever. So, um, assuming his window is just kind of short, uh, maybe like a, you know, I could see him possibly opting for Angels if they offer like a three three year deal, like you said. That's kind of like you know thirty something million a, a year. Maybe the Dodgers offer something crazy like forty five million for two years, uh, forty five a year for two years, something That'd like that. Crazy, yeah. And he just kind of says, okay, well, I would rather just take the extra year of guaranteed, uh, you know, pay. Mm-hmm. So maybe something like that is could be a reason why he um, why he picks Angels. But I would lean towards him picking the Dodgers uh, between the two. Also, the Dodgers kind of seem to outbid everyone when they really want a guy. I think they really, really want him. Um, I'm not sure how much he loved the fit, um, but I think overall he enjoyed his time in L.A., so I'm going to say Dodgers. Okay, okay. And that makes, you know, Dodgers, of course, always seem to outbid us, starting off with last year at Trevor Bauer. So uh, it wouldn't be surprising if they could outbid us then or, you know, somehow find a way to, you know, give him, of course, less years, more money. Maybe Scherzer really likes that. Or, of course, they might might say, you know what, we'll challenge the Angels too and we'll give you the same amount of years and more money or something like that. So right. wouldn't be wouldn't be too shocking. Uh, let's go to the next Dodger, of course, that will be, you know, most likely probably leaving. I think I, I, I'm very confident that him and Kenley are both gone from the Dodgers. That's Corey Seager. Uh, Alex, for me, he's he's born and raised North Carolina. He's an East Coast guy. I think he'll be going to the East Coast. I think the Yankees make too much sense for Corey Seager. They have the money to spend, and they need a lefty bat, and they need a good lefty shortstop. Corey Seager, in my opinion, uh, will be a Yankee. What, what are you thinking? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I I don't know if 100% he's going to leave, but I think it's definitely likely just because I think Trey Turner wants to play shortstop, and they did make that trade for a reason. Dodgers have many young infielders in like AAA and you know AA, um, guys on the rise. Um, so I think with that in mind, I do think he most likely moves. I, for some reason, am also in the AL East. I think the Yankees do make lots of sense. I've heard that as some buzz. You know, Yankees fans definitely think that that makes sense. They need a lefty bat. Um, they always are kind of righty heavy these last few seasons. So that makes a lot of sense. And they've kind of been missing a shortstop. Um, Glaber has not really been the defensive guy. Even though Seager's not a great defender, um, he definitely is a much more of a complete package than, than a guy like Glaber Torres or Urshela, who got time at shortstop too. But... Um, Travis, another team I'm going to float out there um, is going to be the Red Sox. I think that wow. they, they're a team who do not have a whole shortstop, but I've heard that there's been at least some interest in them. Um, you know, either either Corey moves to second or, uh, of course, you could move Xander Bogarts to second. Kind of but the new the new Marcus Simeon. Could, could, could you imagine if they just said, we're just going to punt on our infield defense, we're just going to re-sign Schwarber, we're going to sign Corey Seager, we're just going to have... An offensive, the greatest offensive infield you've ever seen, but the, the, the defense is not going to be there. I could see them going for something kind of crazy like that. I'm not sure if that's you know their number one focus is getting a middle infielder, but they do think I need, I need I think they need a second baseman. So 
you could almost say, let's get one of these big shortstops on the market, push maybe Xander Bogarts to second base possibly, or the shortstop could go by second base. Um, I think it would be another good lefty in the lineup, um, especially especially if a guy like Schwarber left, they would need that lefty kind of yeah. two-hitter, three-hitter to kind of take place. Um, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind playing with Verdugo and Kike, you know, old teammates. Exactly. So I think that there's a lot of reason why he might consider Fenway. I'm just going to leave it at those two. I don't know okay. which one he'll lean towards, but okay. I'll say Red Sox and Yankees are my two picks. Okay, okay. Uh, moving to another guy that played in the NL West, that is Trevor Story. Um, I feel like he's kind of the, kind of like the poor man's, you know, Carlos Correa, I feel like, because, you know, he's not going to, of course, I don't think he's going to get the the deal that Correa will get or should deserve. So I think that a lot of their teams are, you know, looking at him as maybe being a good guy. You know, all, all of his strengths are a little bit weaker, of course, than Correa. I think Correa, of course, is the whole package. Um, for me, Alex, kind of a weird one, but I think Trevor Story, he might be going home to Texas. I think he might be a Texas Ranger. I feel like the Rangers are, you could possibly say, having some sort of, you know, vision as the Tigers are with maybe we should get a young stud right now to build on all of our prospects who are still of course developing but get a guy like trevor story who's from texas um you know a lot of people have made you know trade rumors of saying he might be going back to the rangers or might be going to the rangers because he's from texas maybe maybe he wants to be home um i don't know i just feel like the rangers a couple seasons ago were really in on anthony rendon and they struck out and rendon was a texas guy and i feel like now they maybe think hey let's try to get this other guy who, um, you know, grew up, is from the area. Let's try to target a guy like Trevor Story. I don't know. I just feel like Rangers were uh, an interesting pick for him. I think he honestly very well could land it in, in Texas. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I don't know where his priorities lie, honestly, if he's trying to go to a playoff team, if he's trying to go to the team that's going to give him the most money. Um, he's a young guy, a lot of options. Um, a team that will definitely probably meet with them is the Angels, Travis. Very I think well, yeah. that I think that they have a good chance. I, I, I think I think every offer. shortstop will get met with the Angels. You know, I, 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 I would hope so, Travis. Yeah. Knowing the Angels, maybe they just mess up and don't meet with any of those guys or everyone else <laughs> yeah. makes their decision before we meet with them. But um, I think the Angels, who are definitely in need of a shortstop, they made some small moves so far. Of like, um, they have some AAA uh, infielders on their on their on their like kind of outlook, and then they also just. Uh, acquired Andrew Velasquez from the Yankees on a, on, I think he was waived and we picked him up or something like that. But um, at the end of the day, as Angel fans, I think we both agree we need a good shortstop who can be an everyday player. Um, we're kind of tired of it being a, a position where yeah. someone's injured and we're just kind of have who's playing shortstop today kind of thing. We're yeah. kind of done with that. We yeah. want that to be over. So I think Story is a very good shot to go to the Angels. One more team I'm going to throw out there as a team who needs a shortstop and they're also down to spend money. We already mentioned them before, the Phillies. I think the Phillies could be Very a team true. where they could use a great right-handed bat to kind of pair with Harper. Um, maybe, you know, Story bats second, Harper bats third, Remuto bats fourth, something like that. Could be a great right-left-right kind of thing. I think it makes ten- sense from a team-building standpoint. Um, I don't think Agorius was the move at all for them. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of proved to be not a great deal. So I think they might go for a guy who's uh, more of an all-star type that they could just spend money on because we know they're down to do that. So I think story makes a lot of sense in uh, for the Phillies. Another thing, Travis, about the Phillies, um, I'm not sure if they're looking at this, but a lot of the advanced stats say 
They had one of the worst infield defenses. It really hurt the ERAs of guys like Zach Wheeler, guys like Aaron Nola, who had a lot better advanced stats than their ERA. Mm-hmm. ERA a bit higher because of probably some of this bad defense. Story's a great defender. He has speed, so he'll get a lot done there at the shortstop position. Also steals bags. I think he is honestly going to get a pretty favorable deal whatever team gets Story because he is kind of almost being slept on below guys like Correa, guys like Seager, for good reason because Seager and Correa are very hot players. Yeah, They had you know great last couple seasons, yeah. whereas Story kind of dipped a bit. So I think Story is going to get you know kind of the third or fourth best deal of these kind of shortstop class. I think uh, the Phillies and the Angels make sense to me. And it's very good that you brought up that, you know, stories underrated because, you know, it's it's crazy that I think when we look at Corey Seager, we just remember the 2022 or 2020 postseason, just yeah. what he did there. Barry Bonds playing short yeah. in the postseason. And then, of course, this season, 2021, Cor- Cor- Carlos Correa was probably the best shortstop in the league. But, you know, we go back to the end of 2019. I think Trevor Story and possibly even Francisco Lindor were the two best shortstops in the league. They were consistently good. Story had a great year in 19. His defense improved by a lot, and it looked like he was becoming the complete shortstop package. Great speed as well. So it's interesting that, you know, having a 2020 season, only 60 games, and not being on a good team in the Rockies, and then 2021, you're kind of just, like, not paying too much attention to the Rockies. Um, Story still, of course, has a lot, I think, left in him. He's still a great power bat. And so, like you said, a lot of teams would be lucky to even get a guy like that. Interesting if he kind of waits it out and maybe signs, you know, in January somewhere. And we see him picked up by a team that really, you know, needs him. And, of course, maybe he gets some more money because a lot of the shortstops are off the market. They've already signed. His leverage, of course, goes up. But, um, yeah, really interesting story with, of course, with, with Trevor Story. So uh, moving on to another big bat, uh, that is going to be Chris Bryant, Alex. Chris Bryant, of course, having a really good season this year. The Cubs, he was very good. Of course, then going to the Giants kind of continued that success there. For me, Alex, I have two teams for Chris Bryant. And one team you already said, it's the Milwaukee Brewers. I think he makes a lot of sense with the Milwaukee Brewers. And I think all, he makes also a lot of sense with the New York Mets. I only say Mets because he was, of course, hinted in last year's trades that he would be a Met and that the Mets would be very interested in getting someone like him to play third base, possibly outfield too, because of just the outfield uh, corner outfielders for New York were not good at all next last year. Mm-hmm. And also the Brewers. The Brewers, of course, would love to have a third baseman. They'd love to have a corner outfielder. Avisel Garcia, is his contract's up with the Brewers, and so easily could slide Chris Bryant in right field easily could put him at third base easily could play him at first base too so I think he makes a lot of sense for Milwaukee and Milwaukee needs to desperately get a lot of offense to kind of help out those dynamic juggernaut starting pitchers so Brewers I think make the make the best sense I like both of those teams a lot I think that the fit is great there for Mets and Brewers just because uh, like you said third base as a whole which is where he probably plays primarily but then also you could see him getting time maybe at first base for the Brewers if they don't sign another first baseman. Also, corner outfield is a need for both those teams. Uh, a guy like Conforto, I know, is probably leaving the Mets. Uh, uh, he will be a free agent, so you could sign him in right field, third base. Uh, you know, pretty much any given day, he mm-hmm. will have a place to uh, to play. I also want to give a shout out to the Giants. I think that they still have a. I think they really enjoyed having him. I think that he played a very. Uh, he played a very um, key role down the stretch because he would play third base, he would play first base, he'd play yeah. left and center and right. 
I think in the Dodgers series, Travis, I think he did have innings at first, third, left, center, and right in just the five-game series, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. But it shows that, you know, a team that's going to do a lot of platooning, a team that's going to do a lot of like kind of flip-flopping in the middle of the game with their team, they need these kind of guys who can play everywhere to kind of make it so the platoons all work and everyone has a spot. So I think the Giants are also huge, huge, maybe not favorites, but they're definitely towards the top of that list of favorites to re-sign him, to keep him around. So I have to have Giants on the top of my list probably um, just because I think they really enjoyed having him. Um, I don't know who they're going to show their money out for, but I would mm-hmm. say I would say uh, Chris Brown would be a good pick for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, moving on to another big name, Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. So... You know, Clayton Kershaw kind of in, being injured uh, towards the end of this season, not at all participating or playing in the playoffs. Um, of course, kind of dealing with that, you know, late season injuries that Kershaw, you know, usually gets. So it kind of makes for an interesting, po- or, you know, free agency for him. You know, what do we expect? What are teams going to expect from him? For me, Alex, I he's kind of one of those players that you, you only get, you know, I don't know, maybe once once a decade or something like that. But I, I, I really feel strongly that he'll be resigning with the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers, really? of course, really want him as well. Um, I think the, the negotiations will be interesting because the Dodgers are going to probably be thinking, we really want you. We want you to be kind of like that Kobe Bryant. We want you to stay in Los Angeles for your whole career. Uh, maybe they offer him a four-year deal or something like that. Maybe they even offer him maybe a lower deal and just say, we're going to give you like one or two seasons to kind of get back to form and shape, see what happens. But I have him staying in L.A. Um, I think he'll be one of those guys that's going to be a Dodger for life. Another thing, too, it's kind of interesting. You know, my opinion, those two, it, it'd be weird to see him in any other uniform, too. I feel like Clayton mm-hmm. Kershaw yeah. is that guy that you would never want to see or never feel like you could see in another uniform. Someone like Derek Jeter, too. You can't see Derek Jeter in any other uniform but a Yankees uniform. So Clayton Kershaw, for me, I think he stays in Los Angeles. I'd just be interesting on the, how the no- negotiations go and how both parties um, come together on, on a contract. Yeah, I think that staying in L.A. makes a lot of sense. I think the biggest reason for that is it's kind of a weird guy to take a gamble on for other teams. Like mm-hmm. teams who might want to add some starting pitching depth, like maybe like the Mets want to add a guy. Uh, you know, maybe maybe the Mets are going to lose Stroman, so they say let's get Kershaw, a great left-handed pitcher for a rotation. But just kind of knowing... I couldn't imagine DeGrom Kershaw coming at you, you know? Right, but, uh, ima- but just imagining getting a guy like Kershaw who obviously the upside is you're getting an all-star pitcher but the downside is you could get um you know in the worst case scenario a guy who's injured for most of the season that is highly on the table knowing his the, the mileage the innings pitch he has had in his career so I think having that in mind a team might not want to pay him a ton of money just because they kind of know that he has this sort of mileage and has this kind of injury risk so he has probably more value to the Dodgers than any other team and for that reason, I think honestly, also if they also said, would you take a little bit of a pay cut, a little bit below market value, but you can have a, a you know maybe three four year extension to be with the Dodgers for the rest of your prime essentially, I think he'd probably take that just knowing he wants to kind of be the LA guy going forward um, for his whole career going to Cooperstown with that Dodger hat of course. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I do think for a lot of reasons uh, LA makes a lot of sense. I'm gonna agree with you that Dodgers would be the pick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another big lefty on the free agent market, that is Robbie Ray. Um, could be this year's AL Cy Young. Just I, I feel like he's kind of like that Rick Porcello where out of nowhere this guy wins the Cy Young. Uh, and then, you know, may, if I had to bet probably the next couple of years, he probably won't be as good as he has this year. Just kind of a weird outlier year for Robbie Ray. 
Uh, for me, I actually have him staying on the Blue Jays. I think some some guys, when they have success with one team, one market, one city, they kind of use that as a you know influence to possibly just stay where they're at. So I think Robbie Ray will find uh, you know the Blue Jays and Robbie Ray will find agreement and they'll go with uh, an extension for for him to you know keep pitching in Toronto, possibly just keep that success and you know with any pitcher who wouldn't want to have that Blue Jays offense to back you up? I mean, you literally could be a 20-game winner easily pitching for the Blue Jays with that offense. So I think he stays. I think with the success he had this season, he's going to say, I really like you know pitching for Toronto. I like having this offense to back me up. Uh, I have him staying as a Blue Jay. What do you think about Robbie Ray? So I'm going to go with a team that is pretty much in on everybody. Whenever, this, whenever a team, uh, whenever a player... Uh, hits the free agency block and they're you know a Cy Young or an All Star caliber guy. This team is in on them. I'm gonna say he goes to the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I well. just think that um, they are a team who they had good pitching last year. Overall, I think they had one of the best year team ERAs in baseball. I think they're at least high on that list. So um, I think that having another just a lefty who's gonna get you tons of innings. He's almost gonna be the lefty Garrett Cole. He's not gonna be as good as Garrett Cole because Garrett Cole is is a top you know two at least three top uh, pitcher in baseball. But um, a guy like Robbie Ray is going to get you lots of innings, which is mm-hmm. kind of what Cole does, and they know the value in getting you all those innings. And then also just the righty-lefty nature of having those two as your one and your, and your two yeah. in your rotation. You know you're going to get a lot of offensive support, uh, most likely at least. You know Yankees are going to spend on batters in some capacity, of course. And so um, I think having I think Ray just kind of knowing the Yankees are going to be in the playoff picture um, going forward, and they have the money to pay me. As much as anyone else, I think that it makes a lot of sense in my mind, at least. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean, staying in the NL East would be would be good for him. And of course, you know, you're going to the Yankees, who of course have probably one of the same best offenses, like the Blue Jays. Um, just it'd be interesting if they would want to sign Seager first and then go after a guy like Robbie Ray to kind of influence to say, hey, we have a great offense here too, and you know, here here's kind of our lineup you'll be pitching for every fifth day, and of course, you'll have Garrett Cole to um, have with you as well. So. It uh, makes you, a lot of sense. You mentioned like the Seager piece of it. I have no doubts in my mind that if the Yankees get one of these guys, they can get the other two. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not like mm-hmm. they have the money to spend. Always, always they have the money yeah. somehow, and they have some guys that are going to be you know uh, free agents. Like they could let a guy like Rizzo go, yeah. and then use that kind of Rizzo money. It's just going to go all towards you know Ray or yeah. or uh, or Seager, whoever yeah. it may be. Yeah. No, no. Most definitely. Most definitely. Another guy that uh, played in New York the last, I think, the last half of the season, Javier Baez, Alex. Uh, me and him, me and you, of course, we. He's a great defender. He's got good speed, but he just cannot have the play discipline that I think that a lot of teams will be patient for him for. So, yeah. Um, for me, I actually have him staying in New York. He had a really nice uh, second half with the New York Mets. I think he really. Uh, is inspired by that New York kind of media, that New York crowd. I think he's he really is a big city guy, you know, playing in Chicago, then of course going to uh, New York really elevates his game and he likes having those bright lights. I think he stays in New York Met. And I think the Mets really want to have a Baez-Lindor middle infield combo to um, go with, you know, the, the pitching staff that they got, you know, DeGrom, they have uh, some of the other guys out there. But I think he stays in Met. I think that they really liked what they saw from him and then what they got from him. So I think the Mets will be signing uh, Javier Baez, of course, this offseason to an extension. What do you think on that one? I actually do agree with you. I think the Mets are definitely a team that wants to be in play. He had one of his best stretches of baseball in the last few seasons 
Honestly, Travis, it might be one of the best stretches of his whole career um, as a Met, and I think he wants to kind of keep that going. Um, I think that they're willing to pay him because they know the value he brings with the defense. Just looking at baseball reference here, Travis, in the 47 games he had with uh, the Mets, he batted 299 with a 371 on base. That is a big, big gap between uh, any other season he's had. Any other complete season, his best on base is like three... 26 in like 2018 which is not that high at all that's like that's like around league average probably a 371 was a huge increase and still had a 141 ops plus the power was still there as a met nine home runs as a met uh, as well as nine doubles so i do think the mets uh, understand his value he's still just um he's 28 they're going to be 29 around the time of the winter meetings coming coming around in december so i do think the mets are going to uh offer him a big check i think that he probably wants to stay at met for the reasons you mm-hmm. mentioned as well as the fact it was just kind of his best stretch of baseball possibly of his career so i don't know why you want to mess with that and go somewhere else um other teams may want him i think the cubs actually are rumored to maybe they could make a push to get him back just, be, just because yeah you could almost say this could be our guy for like he can be a career cub besides this one little half season with the mets but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think the mets make the most sense i'll go ahead and pick the mets too okay okay yeah i i, I don't know i just he just he just seems like a a New York guy. I don't know why. I just I have that sense he's, of just. He's got a big personality, and yeah. I think the Mets fans can grow to appreciate it. Um, if especially if they add some more pieces, Travis, if they can get to become like uh, favorites to make to make the playoffs, he's the kind of guy who's going to have a personality, a leadership to him exactly. that will help in the, in a series. And interesting when I when I pointed out Chris Bryant going to the Mets, it'd be funny to have those two Cubs teammates. You know, left side infield, third base, shortstop guys playing in New York with that infield with Alonzo, Baez, Lindor, Bryant. I mean, Jacob DeGrom would probably win, hopefully would win 28 games or something like that. Um, that could be a very nice spark. I think New York is hungry to make a big offseason push because they're kind of like the Padres, just a complete and utter disappointment this year with the way that they had the lead in the division. They had it in their grasp, yeah. They had it easily. The Phillies were the only team that seemed like they could come out and snatch it, but the Braves just rose above those those teams and took it. And, of course, we saw them win, of course, the World Series. And I think the Mets definitely need to make a push. I think their fan base, I think they're kind of like the Angels right now when it comes to they have one of the best players in the game in DeGrom, and there's really nothing to show for it. So... I think the Mets need to make a big push. And I think their owner is down to spend some money. Exactly. I think exactly. Baez makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. So Baez to the Mets, I think we both agree on that. Um, next guy up, Kevin Gosman. He was a almost a Cy Young, you know, really strong push for the Cy Young candidate yeah. last year. Fell off a little bit. Postseason was kind of just, eh. I think he came in. I think he started game two against Urias in the NLDS, and Urias, of course, had the best of him. Gosman didn't have a terrible game, but I think he only had about three or four innings pitched. I think they pinched hit for him early, so he really didn't get to showcase a lot of it. Um, Logan Webb was the main story of the Giants pitching staff in the playoffs. But for me, Alex, I don't know why, but I, you know, Kevin Gosman was born and raised in Louisiana, went to LSU. I think he might want to try to go back somewhere around there. I actually have him being signed by the Houston Astros. I think the Astros saw what they needed in that World Series and even in the playoffs. I think they need to get a top-line starting pitcher because you look at DeGrom – I'm sorry, you look at Verlander and you look at Granke. Both those guys are free agents. I don't really see them both going back to Houston. So that puts a lot of pressure on Framber, on Urquidy, and Luis Garcia to really kind of rise above and to kind of take the big chunk of what they need to do and accomplish next year. I think they need to go out and get some starting pitching. And to get a big frontline starter like Kevin Gosman, I think that'd be very helpful in their, you know, in their push to win another division title. So 
who do you have for Kevin Gosman? What, what, what city are you thinking he's staying? Um, so, yeah, Gosman, uh, he's in, I think a lot of people kind of saw this 2021 breakout coming. Uh, in, 20, in 2020, the short season, he had a 3.09 FIP, which is a lot below his ERA of 3.62. So people knew he'd be really good. And then, Travis, this season, his ERA went way down, but his FIP went down too. So it almost kind of shows that he uh, is like the real deal in my mind. You know, it's not like this was like a fluky year for him. So, and another big number is 192 innings pitched. Mm-hmm. Seeing the innings pitched is going to be big for a team like the Astros you mentioned. That's a, it, it, that is a great fit you mentioned. I didn't really think about that because um, they need volume, right? They need these guys who can go, you know, big games or, you know, big innings in games because um, at the end, at, in the postseason, they pretty much had like two bullpen games per series with McClure's went down. So um, that makes a lot of sense. I think the Angels are a team that could get a lot of use from him just because, like we said, these innings pitched. You and I have said it multiple times. Uh, I think you say it all the time. The Angels have not <laughs> had a guy who eats up 150 innings in it's been it's been years consecutive years at least it, too. I think I don't think someone's got 150 innings since I think it like, might have been like 2018 or not. it's it's been more than two or three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so with, with that in mind, a guy like Gosman who does get 192 innings pitched in 2021. Um, and despite all those innings pitched, uh, he actually led led baseball in game started thirty three. So wow. it just kind of shows the consistency he had, even though some of his starts were ups and downs. I think Angels would be very okay with that. They just need the innings and keep that ERA around a three, and you'll be more than welcome to be on our team. Our bats will pick you up when you need it, and uh, I think that's going to be a t- the type of guy Angels will be targeting when they see- seek a pitcher. And it's a good point because you're going from a. Uh, a historic hitters ballpark in San Fran to a historic hitter or I'm sorry a historic pitchers ballpark mm-hmm. in San Fran to an historic pitchers ballpark in Angel Stadium so that may be something to look at too uh pitchers usually tend to do have success in Angel Stadium uh when they can stay on the field exactly when they can stay on the field so uh definitely is a good push for the Angels to go out there and get um already you know already playing a couple of years in California just my, you know, why, why not just come a little bit south and you know play in, in Orange County? So yeah, why not? Exactly. So uh, moving on, Alex, another big pitcher, Marcus Stroman. Um, actually, you know, I mean, really did have a low key, really good year for the Mets last year. I think his ERA was like a three point oh two, so almost a sub three ERA, which would have been really something. I think it would have opened a lot of uh, you know front offices' eyes to get this guy, you know, a huge contract, but. I think Marcus Stroman, Alex, has the best shot with going to actually the Angels. I'm actually going to point out the Angels. Of course, Angels need pitching. I think Stroman is a guy that you can get, not for cheap, but for I think for relatively good contract. You know, someone that could possibly get, you know, five years, 100 mil, and sign with the Angels. So I think Marcus Stroman is a guy that the Angels definitely should and will target. And I think my prediction for him going to the Angels uh, makes him, you know, of course, a, a strong candidate for the Angels. Um full attention being starting pitching this offseason. So for me, it's Marcus Stroman going to the Angels. What do you think about Stroman? Yeah, I like Stroman a lot. Um, I think that one thing that kind of pops out in my head is I think he's going to want to get paid. I mm-hmm. think I've heard him say some things about him, you know, um, wanting to get paid. Uh, I also see he's already, I think, believe he's 30, um, which is a little older than I thought he actually was. So I think he kind of knows that this is going to be his contract, right? And this is going to be the year where he gets paid. I think the Angels, I really want them to make a push for this guy because like 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 Gausman, he does eat innings he's a big innings pitch guy he's a big ground ball guy too which is what the Angels GM was targeting in the last offseason going for guys like Alex Cobb and Quintana but this time we're getting an all-star guy who gets ground balls which is uh, and eats innings so I think there's a lot of good things uh, Stroman has going for him 
Um, I think he could be the type of guy who gets around like a you know three five ERA, just kind of going forward, just be a really very above average, eats it, lots it, of innings. It's funny you say that because even on Baseball Reference projections for twenty twenty two, it gave him a three four ERA, so just okay. just right about there, you know, just yeah. a, a, a strong, good pitcher. Con- yeah. Considering that that ERA plus the innings you expect him to give you, plus he's a ground ball pitcher, so if you have good infield defense, if the Angels got a guy like Story Travis. We had a Fletcher, Story, Rendon kind of infield. I would say let's just and Walsh, of course. A Walsh gold, gold Glove. A Gold Glove finalist. <laughs> um, with that, that's your infield with that kind of defense. I would say please, please just, you know, you know, do whatever it takes to do the shifting, all that kind of stuff. But let's get some ground ball pitching and let's, you know, uh, kind of take care of business on, on the defensive side of things. So, um, yeah, I think Sean makes all sense for the Angels. I'm going to throw in a wild card here. I'm going to say the Dodgers will be in play. I think the Dodgers are also a team that's going to want – these inning eater type guys, especially if they were to keep Kershaw, um, they want, uh, you know, they ran into some trouble. They had uh, some bullpen games they had to do in the postseason just because um, there are, of course, injuries happen, but um, Kershaw was down. But I think that um, they are always looking for smart picks. I think Showman's a smart pick. And like always, the Dodgers will pay him as much as anybody else. Um, they could really say, you know, we'll get you for a five-year, six-year deal here and we will pay you, you know, it could be thirty million a year. It yeah. could be so much money. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, I'm not sure what Stroman's looking for on the money wise, but Dodgers will definitely pay for it. So I'll say I'll say Elliot makes a lot of sense for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, another guy uh, that you know a lot of success the last couple of years. Uh, that's Nicholas Castellanos. He just opted out a couple of days ago from the Cincinnati Reds. Of course, I think we all thought that was going to happen. I think the, the next two years he was going to make about thirty four million. So you're looking at about you know, 16 to $17 million a year. He's definitely worth a lot more than that. He's had really good years uh, in 2020 and in 2021. Ops out of Cincinnati. I think he definitely is looking, of course, for another another place to go and play. Uh, a team that probably will give him a little more success and a chance of winning. You know, I think he basically played in Detroit and then he went to Chicago Cubs for a short stint and then Cincinnati. So he hasn't really had too much winning in his career. I think he wants to go to a place that's ready to win or at least a place that's ready to pay him money. So for me, Alex, I had Brewers on my list. I think Brewers are an excellent place for him. He's really played nowhere else except for the Central. He's played with the Tigers, the Cubs, and the Reds. Staying in the NL Central, I think would be very, very nice for him. He would, I think, show off very similar numbers. And he would have, of course, like I keep on saying, the juggernaut pitching staff of the Brewers to really help and back him up and get some wins for them. Also, that'd be very nice for the Brewers pitching staff to get a guy that is a huge bat. Maybe Yelich can come back to be doing something like 2019 or 18. That could be a really nice duo uh, with that Brewers lineup to have Castellanos in there. I also wrote down Miami Marlins. Only reason mm-hmm. for that is because I know the Marlins have been have been saying that they're ready to spend and that they need outfielders. Yeah. And Castellanos is, of course, a, a South Florida kind of guy. He is born and raised down in South Florida. So I think he makes a lot of sense. I think Jeter um, could really, you know, influence him in coming up and playing for, or coming down to play for the Miami Marlins. Uh, those are the two teams I see really strong pushes for a guy like Cassianos. W- w- any thoughts on on where you think he'll be ending up? Yeah, so I think he needs to go. You know, there's lots of teams who need outfield bats, and like we mentioned, the Brewers losing Avisel Garcia, he will become a free agent. I think they could fill that spot with almost an up, you know, pretty much an upgrade in Nicholas Castellanos. Um, the one thing is that you know his defense is always kind of questionable out there, but I think. Um, if you have a guy like Lorenzo Cain, if his defense is still up to par in center field, and it Jackie almost, Bradley too, it almost yeah. it almost makes up for that, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you need a defensive sub, you got Jackie Bradley ready to go. So an outfield of Yelich, 
um, Castellanos in the corners with uh, you know Kane in the middle. I think that makes lots of sense. I think uh, a few other teams that might need um, an outfield bat. I know that the the Braves, Travis, are going to have some expiring contracts. I believe Rosario is a free agent, if I'm not mistaken. I believe Duvall is also need to be either re-signed or could sign somewhere else. So I think knowing that there's going to be some vacancies there and they want to keep the offense up, I got a Castellanos could make a lot of sense. You'll go most of Castellanos in left, Acuna in right, and maybe for the future, Pache in center. With you know, I got like Soler being your kind of fourth outfielder, or so something like that. You know, I'm trying to think of the best way they could go about that. Obviously, if they just resign Rosario or Duvall, then that you, know, you don't need Castellanos in that case. But um, I do think that your pick of Brewers is one of the most logical picks for him and for the Brewers. Also, they just need a consistent bat. Uh, a, a big right-handed bat makes a lot of sense for them. So um, I think he'll have a, quite a few people, uh, you know, offering him some some good money. He one of the, one of the better outfielders in the mm-hmm. market. Uh, moving on to. Uh Another kind of you know kind of under underrated low key free agent this year that's Marcus Simeon having honestly Alex he might be a top three he probably should be a top three for the AL MVP he'll probably finish third um, Otani and Vladdy will battle for the first place spot I think we really both know who's going to win that or should win that yeah. but uh, I think Simeon has a very good shot to finish third in AL MVP which will be very good for his um, you know basically for his stock going into the free agency market. Of course, also with his war. And it's crazy when you look at the past two full seasons, 2019 and 2021, Simeon is up there with one of the one of the best war guys in baseball. So yeah. I think it's his time to get his sort of payday. So um, I had two teams. I had Toronto Blue Jays. I, th- I just think that Toronto... They just love that fit with that infield. They, Of course, they love that that right side. It's going to be Vladdy Guerrero Jr. and Marcus Simeon. Both those guys were just juggernauts. I think they both, I think, hit like 95 combined home runs last year. And then, of course, to pair that with Bo Bichette, short, and second base Simeon, I think that also makes a lot of sense right there. And I think, uh, you know, Toronto is ready to sort of spend and get their team for the next three to four years. They have a great young team. Um, I see him staying possibly with Blue Jays. One more team I have in mind, and it's kind of just a sneaky one that could be really scary, and that's the San Diego Padres. Wow. I could see him possibly going to the Padres. Padres, of course, already have uh, Ha-Sun ha Kim, yeah. and then they also have Adam Frazier, and then they also have Cronenworth. They have those three guys. I know a lot of people have been saying, you know, Cronenworth can play first base, and also Cronenworth can play a little bit of outfield. I think yeah. same thing with Kim, and also same thing with Frazier. All the all three guys can and play. And Tatis is playing outfield. And a exactly, and a good point you brought up too. Tatis can play outfield. I think getting a guy like Simeon to play second base, of course, just makes that dream infield. I mean, you would have Machado, Tatis, Simeon, just possibly one of the scariest infields in baseball. And also the flexibility of having Simeon can play short and second. Tatis, if it gets a little bit more, you know, too wear and tear on his body, he can go play outfield. Cronenworth uh, can play short and second and first. Ha Seung Kim can play second and short. I think he also can play a little bit of outfield too. I just think having all that utility and basically all those players that can play everywhere, San Diego would put themselves in a very nice position um, with the with the with the entirety of the roster. So I have Blue Jays, but I also had Padres. It would just be very, very crazy and very, very scary if he went to San Diego. So, Simeon, who do you think really has a good shot at getting him? So, uh, I'm I'm not sure what the Astros have in line for shortstop after Carlos Correa. I think one of the best plays they could make was to go for Simeon. 
Um, I do think that Simeon has said before he wants to be a shortstop, but it comes down to also who's going to pay you and which team because if, if a team wants to play second and they'll pay you a bunch, you'll probably take it. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think that he could play shortstop for the Astros, which would be obviously huge. It would be kind of an immediate replacement for Correa to kind of keep your infield intact. You, you already have Bregman and Altuve kind of locked in for a few more years. So um, also another reason why I think uh, Semi makes a lot of sense for them is because they offered Correa a five-year deal. So for some reason, uh, if that's just kind of the, the window they're looking at before they want to explore something else, they could give a five-year deal or a four-year deal to Semyon because he's more, he's more like that right yeah. age where a five-year deal might make sense. I think he'll be maybe 36 after that kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, and so... Correa, obviously a younger guy who wants a longer deal, send me an five-year deal. Um, it could be perfect if they come to agreement on a, on a dollar amount. But I do think another huge reason is if you look at uh, you look at Semyon's home run like spray chart this season, he was a big pull hitter in 2021. I think as a right-handed hitter, Ooh, that'd be um, nice. that yeah. Crawford box, first of all, lying lining lining it off the box or off the wall in 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 left center is is a big deal, but. I think honestly, if he was playing every game in Houston this season, and I mean obviously Blue Jays played in, in a hitter friendly park for most of the season in uh, in Florida in their you know alternate yeah. site they had this year um, because of the whole COVID traveling to Toronto thing, um, that obviously helps Semyon's numbers of course. But I think if he was playing in Minute Maid, he could have had like fifty home runs. I think it would have been crazy just because he was like I said a big pull ball hitter. So many balls would have ended up. Uh, going from doubles to Crawford Box home runs. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that the Astros um, could get so much value from him. Uh, also has experience in the AL West, obviously was a uh, was a Oakland Athletic not too long ago. So I think that that would make a lot of sense for them to go get him. Um, I'm not sure what they have plans for shortstop, but I would, if I were them, I would make a meeting with, uh, with Marcus Samian. And that would be really good because it basically is continuing where they left off with Correa leaving and Simeon coming in. You're almost, you're almost getting the same player. If not, you know, I'm not going to say a better player, but you're, you're, you're getting the same player and you can in, in terms of, in terms of winning this season, yeah. next season, it's a, as a pretty good substitution. Yeah. Exactly. And especially if you're looking at the Astros and you say that maybe 2025, we kind of are looking at our big decline, kind of like what Oakland's looking at. I feel like at right now, um, yeah, he, he makes too much sense to go to, to go to Houston and really, you know, kind of continue that. Keep the wind mount, the wind down window alive. Exactly, exactly. And, sport, and especially with getting maybe, a, you know, a couple of good starting pitchers, they already have a great bullpen. You know, they already have good middle to late starting pitching rotation guys. So uh, Houston, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people think that maybe they're just kind of in shambles, but they could really just bounce back on top and even have a better team next year. So uh, very good kind of team to look out for. Uh, Alex, the last position player on our list, um, probably the most underrated guy, and that's Chris Taylor, CT3. You know, we saw him in the postseason, and guys tend to Huge. get good contracts after a good postseason. So CT3, of course, the NLD, NLCS, and also the wild card, uh, the MVPs of both. He is on the market. Another guy, I honestly do not see him going back to L.A. It's kind of weird. I don't see him going back to L.A., I see him going elsewhere. He's done well in a big city in L.A. I think he can do well in another big city. I am going to the New York Mets. I think the Mets are a great option for him because the Mets right now need a second baseman, they need a third baseman, and they need a left or right fielder. And Chris Taylor plays all those spots. Mm-hmm. I think the Mets make a very good uh, – they, they match up very well, and I think Chris Taylor would come at, at, a, at a good price for them that they can get him for maybe, maybe cheaper than maybe Chris Bryant – 
or for a couple other outfitters or even Javier Baez. But I do think Javier Baez is almost a guaranteed lock. But having a guy like Chris Taylor play third and also your outfield uh, with a couple of those other guys as well, I think he makes a lot of sense for the Mets. Uh, I think he could be a New York Met uh, starting next season. Who do you think right now with Chris Taylor? Yeah, I think he's one of the guys who might be one of the hardest to pin down because I he can play everywhere. So almost any team who has a need at shortstop, yep. at second base, at third base, at outfield, he can be. They can look to him and say, "Are you you know the solution for us?" Mm-hmm. The Angels are a team who need a shortstop. Would they say? Would they talk to him and say? Could you be our everyday shortstop? Do you feel like that's something you'd want to do? And I think he'd be willing to. I think another team that could use a utility guy like him is the Seattle Mariners. I know that he started there, or he was there before he was with the Dodgers, right? Exactly, yep. And I think that they could be uh, looking to get him back and say, you know, let's let's take you back to Seattle and let's, uh, you know, let's uh, essentially, they have out there, they're going to have outfield openings to kind of wait. And, and a third base in Kyle Seager. Right, Seager's going to be leaving, so you can play some third base. I think the Mariners have a lot of kind of... Um, Switching around, they do like a Dylan yeah. Moore might not be an everyday player. Ty France might not be an every like 160 game guy. So you can almost see, see Taylor kind of take, playing different spots there. Also in the outfield, of course, Hanniger is a free agent, I believe. So um, very true. Yeah, uh, yeah. You could maybe see him in left field as well, which is where he spent a lot of time with the Dodgers. So um, I agree, Dodgers don't make sense to keep him. Really, he's probably more in that Jock Peterson, Kike Hernandez kind of category where you can go somewhere, be an everyday player, and have lots of value as opposed to kind of being the Dodgers kind of 10th man, which he was, he's been great for them yep. and Dodger fans love him, yep. but he can get a more pay and more uh, essentially games played with, on somewhere else. So I would be looking at, I mean, a handful of teams. I do like the Mets pick as well, because like we said, he kind of covered all the positions that they need. So he could honestly go to so many places and could end up being, you know, one of the better players on one of those teams. Exactly. And that's, that's a good argument you said right there with uh, a lot of those teams you mentioned. So, uh, last guy on our list, Alex, that is going to be Carlos Rodon. Had himself a career year. I mean, almost everything was was a career high for him. Everything went right for Carlos Rodon last year. And, of course, being on a team like the Chicago White Sox, uh, where do you see him going? Where, where do you see his you know next team, if he's going to have a next team or if he's going to stay with Chicago? So Carlos Rodon, um, the biggest knock on his season would be the innings, mm-hmm. 132 uh, innings pitched, and that was a – Career high since uh, 2016. So it's been a long time since he even got that many innings. And it's not that high of a number. So um, the biggest knock on him is the innings pitched. But um, for lots of reasons, he had a career year. And I, I am, am going to go out and say, based on his expected stats, his FIP, and his expected ERA, I am thinking he's going to continue to be a very dominant pitcher. It just depends on how many innings. Uh, I, I Selfishly, as an Angels fan, I really want us to go target this guy. Just because I think he has a very you know bright future ahead of him, I think whatever deal uh, he signs will be favorable for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because of that, because I want him, he's probably going to go to some other super team. Like I think <laughs> the Yankees make a lot of sense too, because yeah. we mentioned with Rodon, they will probably want a lefty that's going to just kind of be a a one B to Garrett Cole's one yep. A. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rodon would make a lot of sense for them as well. Any team, you know, almost every team could say we want some starting pitching. Um, I think Rodon will be one of the best value picks. Um, in the whole free agency, I think you know whatever deal he he signs is going to be really good for the team because I see him being great going forward. So um, selfishly, I'll say I like the Angels to get him, but uh, I could see a team like the Yankees opening up the checkbook and uh, and paying him big time. No, definitely good good stuff you said there. I honestly what and I was going to say the same thing too with the innings pitch. I think that's basically been his 
weakness throughout his whole entire career. Innings pitched only once in his career, he has gone over 140 innings pitched in a season. So, uh, and that was 2016 with 165, and that is his career high for innings pitched in this season. Some of these other guys, like Zach Granke, have gone 200 innings pitched almost every single year, and a guy like Rodon that can't get there. Um, that could be a little bit of a concern for a lot of teams, and some teams might not want to pay him the big bucks because, you know, you look back at the last, you know, ever since 20, or 2020 or 2016, uh, he hasn't made more than 24 starts in all those years. Of course, 2020, or no one's going to make 24 starts that year. But uh, that could be the only thing that is concerning for a, a team that's willing to give him a lot of money. Um, actually, you know, and one one thing I will say, Alex, I actually think he might be staying in Chicago. Oh, yeah. uh, I think Chicago, they, they've built something really nice, and they really don't want to let their pieces go. They just ran into the Houston Astros in the first round. They probably didn't want to run into the Houston Astros. Um, I think they're still a really good team. They're going to be a good team for, you know, the next, this decade, they're going to be a great team because all the young talent, I still see him possibly staying with Chicago. Um, but it's interesting to see what Chicago can offer him because I feel like Chicago hasn't really made a lot of big uh, free agent signings. They, they've whiffed on a ton of them in the last couple of years. I remember Machado being the biggest one they whiffed on. They needed a third baseman and uh, San Diego was able to get Machado instead of uh, the the White Sox also with Bryce Harper he was a big target for the White Sox they whiffed on him too so I wonder what happens there if they are able to spend the money to sign Rodon or if someone else wants to go out and get him and uh, and, and and pay him you know decent money for next season so sure um, that, I, I think yeah. you know, one more thing on Rodon I think just as Angel fans Travis I think that the if I were you know I don't know what the mindset is of where their eyes are going to be set for what they're going to target yep. but. Um, if they're gonna do the route of let's just get a bunch of pitching and, and not really focus on the the position players at the start of free agency, I think the move should be get a guy like Rodon who has this upside of being just a total ace. Um, if the innings pitched are okay and if he stays healthy, you know, I would try to get a guy like him and then also get a guy who's like an innings eater, a, a workhorse, get a Gausman mm-hmm. or a you know a um a Marcus Stroman type who just get tons of innings and is gonna have you a solid three something ERA, and you know help you just kind of win ball games every fifth day and, and you don't have to worry about them missing time. I think pairing the high upside guy with the workhorse guy is probably the move for a team like the Angels who you don't want to sign two guys that are just like high upside but like some chance of injury and mm-hmm. then they both kind of, you know, flame out and, you know, miss time on the on the IL and stuff like that. So um yeah, I'd love to see the Angels kind of pair a Rodon with, with a workhorse type and uh you know, spend all the money on the pitching. That that could be a great uh, game plan, I guess, going into the offseason. But I'm very high on Rodon, I'll say that. And and with his trends now, that is, of course, a big thing, too, is he was able to figure it out last, last season. He's still really young. Could yeah. be a guy to be a great fit moving forward, especially with the Angels. I mean, with the Angels, a 3-8 ERA would be a blessing for, you know, a guy who can go 100 and, you know, 30 innings pitched every year for a 3-8 ERA. I feel like we would, we would easily take that with the, with the, the pain that we have gone through in the last five seasons or so. So, right. uh, you know, getting a guy like Rodon, I would not be at all upset about that. So, uh, th- you know, that really kind of sums up all of our, you know, free agents. I know it kind of went through a-, a while just going through our picks on where we think some guys are going to go, if they're going to stay or, you know, move on to other cities. But, uh, you know, anything else, Alex, I guess, with the, with, uh, with today's episode? Uh, I don't think so. Um, you know, we spoke earlier that qualifying offer stuff, all comes to I guess a deadline just this afternoon about 30 and, minutes yeah and, and so we'll kind of have the final scoop on which teams which players 
kind of came to deals on qualifying offers, who was offered one, who didn't accept, who did accept, and all that kind of juicy info. So we can kind of cover that all next week for you guys. Um, once that, that all have had some time to settle. And then any other kind of news that comes up, um, we're going to be, you know, here, uh, you know, every every Sunday here uh, getting you guys an episode. So, uh, yeah, Charles, I think that pretty much wraps things up. Um, we'll have more for them next week on whatever's hot. And uh, But for now, I think that wraps things up. So if you made it this far, thanks for listening. We appreciate all the support. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>